Um, All right. Well, the podcast host, we will lay down our swords for this uh, interview. (laughs) It's good. We're all in separate places. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Julia. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kelly. And this is What You Should Read. The podcast where we should all over our books. Hey, shitheads. How's it going? (laughs) Should have named yourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Until something better comes along. That's your name. We gave them months. Months. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I cannot express how excited I am for today's episode. We are talking to Bridget Kemmerer, author of many books, but... Most recently, the Curse Breakers series, which the first one is A Curse So Dark and Lonely, but the third book in the series comes out today, the day this podcast drops, and it's called A Vow So Bold and Deadly, and we've all read it. It's amazing, and we cannot wait to talk to her. Yeah. Yes, Just, it's a dream come true. Yeah. I'm. It is currently, so far as we know, a trilogy but I'm hoping that we can successfully peer pressure or as I'm choosing to look at it, lovingly encourage her to keep this going. Prequels, spinoffs, whatever. We have ideas. We're going to pitch them to her. We'll see how it goes. Yep. (laughs) But first we're going to get into what we're reading this week. So Rachel, what are you currently reading? Um, I am reading The Removed by Brandon Hobson. It was one of the book of the month picks for January. And it is about a um, a Cherokee family who has experienced some tragedy. You know, they had a son that died really young, um, was shot by police. And they are now, I think it's like, I want to say 15 or 20 years in the future and they're getting ready for their annual bonfire where they kind of it's the anniversary of his death and they remember him and they're all going through like their own, you know, um, experience right now. It's, it's multi-perspective. So you get the mom, uh, the daughter, and then the younger son. And it's really interesting. Um, The different perspectives have such unique voices, which I love. Sometimes you read books with multiple POVs and um, it's hard to be like, wait, who am, whose chapter am I on? But these have very, uh, each character has very unique voices, which I love. And uh, it's different. It's a short book, but it's, it's a slow read. Like it's really one of those um, books that you just kind of, flow through very slowly, but in a good way. Kelly, did you get that one from book of the month too? I did. Um, I have not read it yet. You know how I do, uh, but you are welcome to borrow it. I'm, I'm getting to it very soon. I've decided it's in my, it's in my pile for February. So nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Kelly, what are you reading? I am reading another book of the month book, an older one that you do not want to borrow. Uh, the shadows by Alex uh-huh. North. Um, so this is, um, his second book. Um, it is, it is horror and I'm really liking it so far. It's sort of, you, you remember the slender man thing, right? Mm -hmm. Where the two girls. Yeah. So this is that only, um, there is an internet creature that near as I can tell is called Mr. Red Hands. 
I think we're going to get a really good um, info dump about it soon. But the idea is you can teach yourself how to do lucid dreaming and then share your dreams with your friends. Then you have to brutally murder somebody and then go to sleep. And when you wake up, you will be in the dream world forever with Mr. Red Hands. Now, why this sounds like a good idea to anybody is beyond me. Like being in a dream world with something called Mr. Red Hands because bloody handprints basically is why. So I love all things scary. This sounds like my actual literal worst case scenario. Yeah. (laughs) You have to murder somebody and it's like horror movie kill. Like Mm -hmm. you, you don't just like maybe gently smother somebody while they're sleeping. You, there's a lot of blood. Wow. Wow. Um, But it's, it's very good so far. And um, it goes back and forth in time between when the narrator, the main narrator and his friends, he is not involved, but two of his friends may or may not have killed somebody. One of them, it looks to have succeeded because he disappeared and has never been seen again, like anywhere ever by anyone. Um, But in the 25 years or so since, a few other groups of boys have tried to do this and killed people. But so far, Charlie is the only one that's managed to disappear. So it's very interesting. It's very spooky. Um, Rachel, you might like it. Julia, I don't, I don't think you should go near this one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I won't. I do actually have that book because um, last year, my husband was, um, he got like a three month coupon for book of the month so he had it for a few months and one of the months was for that book and so he he had picked it Ooh, has, oh. has he read it I don't know I can't remember I don't think so I'll I'll ask and and Dorian would like it too I think yeah, I so. think so yeah so I have been reading two books uh one on audiobook and the audiobook I've been listening to is the Unraveling of Cassidy Holmes, which I do have a print copy of, but I saw it on Scribd. So I started just listening to it and it's actually really a good listen. And this is also a book of the month book, but it is about a girl pop group from the nineties. They're kind of like a fictionalized American version of the Spice Girls. They're called the Gloss Girls. And the one member it's, it goes back in time, back and forth, but it's set in the 2000s in the beginning and three of the remaining members of the group, one has quit Cassidy, but these three are doing like an interview at a radio station. And while they're doing the interview, the host is like, Oh, we just got word that Cassidy Holmes has been found dead. Like, and does this on the air. so they're all like, uh, and then it kind of goes back and forth in time about their story and how they all came together. And like, it's told from multiple viewpoints so it's really interesting. I I had started reading it in hard copy and couldn't get into it. So I think I'm finding the audiobook a lot like more suited to the book, but I do intend to read a little bit of it in print too, but it's really good so far. And then I'm also reading on my Kindle Silver Sparrow by Tayari Jones, which is our book club pick. So if you want to read along with us, we'll be discussing that book on February 9th. And it is a really good 
book so far. I'm really enjoying it. So, yeah. Okay. Um, So again, I'm continuing my good news only book news. Um, (laughs) So we all watched the inauguration and we were all completely blown away by poet Amanda Gorman. And she has um, two books coming out, both this year, both in September from Penguin Random House. The first one is a children's picture book, um, Change Sings. And then the other one is a poetry collection, uh, The Hills We Climb and Other Poems. And that's what she read at the inauguration. It was just, it was just lovely and inspiring and perfect. Um, And you might be thinking that's a really long time to wait. But um, also it was just announced that on April 27th, they will release just the poem, The Hill We Climb, in a collector's edition, and it's available as an audiobook, hardcover, and ebook. Wow. I don't know what makes it special. There's been wow. no um, no information on it, but I definitely, I will definitely be getting it. That and probably both of her other books in September. Mm-hmm. And I don't really do audio, as you know, but I, I think I will make an exception for this one because hearing her read her work, I think would be just absolutely wonderful. Yes, I agree. She was breathtaking at the inauguration. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My favorite line was when her in the poem, when it said, America is more than the pride we inherit. It's the past we step into and how we repair it. And I just thought that captured how we should feel feel in this moment and it is complicated the way I feel sometimes about this country (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it should be yeah but I think like her poem was so inspiring because it said you can be fiercely proud of something and also critical of it and want it to do better and I think that's a really important thing to remember for sure yeah and I, I know Michelle Obama got a lot of heat um, a while back for saying it was the first time in yes. a long time that she was proud of her country. And I was proud of us during uh, Barack Obama's administration. And I am now getting to be proud of us again. Um, I know, and this is, you know, not related to Amanda Gorman or books, but Joe Biden is already, <laughs> he's got a, I think, 69% approval rating right now, which is wow. much, much higher than even the best Donald Trump approval rating. Um, and he's he's already trying so much to help get us through this pandemic, not just like health-wise, but trying to fix the economy and um, he's increasing the amount of food assistance that families can get. I just saw that this morning and it's something I, do, I don't think we really think about unless we have to. Yeah. But it's, we're moving in the right direction is, mm-hmm. is my point. Yes. And it's, yeah. it's been a long time since I felt that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know this past four years have been awful. Yeah. <laughs> um, but getting back to Amanda Gorman, I don't remember the exact line, but it was something about 
justice versus just us. Mm. And uh, I, it, she's just wonderful. She's brilliant. Yeah. And one so young. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. She's, and I, I feel like it's not great to be like, she is a child, but she's 22. I mean, she's amazing and skilled in, in ways I can't even imagine because what she can do with words is just, it is amazing and inspiring. And also she's 22. Mm-hmm. It'll be really exciting to see what she does throughout her career. For yeah. Sure. yeah. In her life. Yeah, definitely. All right. So we're going to do a little bit of um, some re- recent acquisitions, maybe with some, you know, what you should read mixed in. <laughs> so I don't know if you, if you two don't mind, I'd like to go first because I'm really excited to update the listeners on my Graceling Realm series um, acquisitions. So yes. uh, for those of you not watching on YouTube, um, I'm sorry, you're going to miss out on the beauty that is these new covers. <laughs> so uh, I finally have all of them. So the first one is Graceling. There we Ooh. go. And it's like greens and blues and yellows. Um, very, very pretty. And so I've got that. You'll have to take a picture for the Instagram so oh, everyone can see it. Totally. Follow us on Instagram, by the way. Yeah. It's a good t- It's a good time. Yes. Fire is my favorite. Ooh. Fire is so Ooh. good. I love the, um, I just love the hair, you know, um, it's so good. And, and um, I did go to Barnes and Noble exchange bitter blue for the new cover. So That's manager, beautiful. There, like, yeah, the manager there said they didn't update the ISBN number for the new cover. And that's why I got the old one when I ordered the new one. So anyway, she had one in the store. So <laughs> um, I love her little crown there. And I got the new one. In the <laughs> um, my pre-order came in of winter keep. So the fourth one. So this one is hardcover, um, but they all have maps in them, which is fun. And I can't wait to reread them. I'm just going to binge reread all of them pretty soon. Uh, I got to read Silver Sparrow first, and then I'm just going to binge reread all of them. Nice. Um, and I, I it, this is definitely a, you know, you should all read this series. It is so good. I mean, it's, I don't know if I would call it just specifically YA. It is, I think, technically YA fantasy, but um, it was written almost on the cusp of before YA was even a really like, you know, known thing. Um, And it doesn't have like what I consider some of the, um, problematic tropes that the old YA fantasies used to have, um, or even just YA in general, just like even 10 years ago, a lot of tropes were with like problematic love interests Mm. that we just ignored all the red flags and forgave them at the end kind of thing. Um, I I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Is there a specific series? (laughs) I mean, they're super sweet when they watch you sleeping. Yeah. Oh, wait. (laughs) Um, And this would fit the um, bachelor reading prompt of the group date of reading a book in a series. So 
you know. Um, fantasy suites too. It's a fantasy book. Oh, yes, absolutely. So you could meet both of those prompts with um, this series. And yeah, and, and if you like, um, you know, full cast audiobooks, the audiobooks are really good too. So it's the Graceling Realm series by Kristen Kishore. Let me know about the new one. I uh, I don't, I haven't gotten it yet, but I I know I will. I'll it's just a matter know. of when. Definitely. Nice. All right. Who's next? Julia? <laughs> sure. I was just um, deciding which book I was going to talk about first because I haven't bought any books since our last episode. <laughs> Yay, me. <laughs> but I, um, <laughs> I know I did get a few from the library. The first one is, I don't think I've talked about this one. I think I might've had it before last week, but it's The First 15 Lives of Harry August by Claire North. I think I've heard of that. Yeah. I don't remember where I heard of this, but it was probably on some Facebook group that talks about books because I was like, wait, I don't know about this book and I have to have it now. It's about a man who every, he dies and then he immediately starts life back over as a child with all the knowledge he gained from his past life, which is like, for me, a dream come true. Like, right. I would love to relive with the knowledge that I have. Probably I wouldn't really. That's probably one of those wishes. That's like, careful what you wish for. But sometimes I'm like, Oh, I would have made such a better decision, (laughs) (laughs) but he, he can't change this cycle um, until one day this little girl pops up and is like, I have a message for you. Um, so it sounds like a very Julia book and I'm excited about it. And then, so the story prize, which is a, a yearly prize a, awarded to a, the best short story collection as determined by a panel of judges, uh, just announced their three finalists for the year for 2020. And one is the office of historical corrections by Danielle Evans, which I read last year and I really loved. And then the other two, I decided I want to read both collections before the winner is announced, which I think will be in March. And so I got one from the library. It's Likes by Sarah Shunlian Bynum. And this cover is gorgeous, I think. It's just so pretty. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I don't, I've never read any of her stories before, but um It sounds, you know, like something that I will like. There's a a school fair, an aging indie film star, Kelly. Uh, So that might be of interest. Old Hollywood uh, stories about social media. So I don't know. It's it's very short. So I think I'll get through it pretty quickly. The other collection that is nominated is The Secret Lives of Church Ladies by Disha Pilia, which I also have on hold at the library. So I'll look forward to getting that. And then finally, I got This is What America Looks Like by Ilan Omar. And she's just been amazing lately, just being really courageous, I think, and standing up for what's right. And I've been meaning to pick this up. So I'm looking forward to diving in. Yeah. I I bought that recently when it was on Kindle sale. Mm. I have not read it yet. Um, Maybe maybe that will be my my goal going forward. Like, yeah. But I mean at least at least I bought it on sale. So yeah. it's it's not like the usual thing I do. <laughs> um okay. So not surprisingly, I have a bunch too. 
Um, also, I don't know if we're doing this for next week's episode, so I'm going to talk about this now. There is a book that comes out on Tuesday called If I Disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget the author, but I will, uh, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, but it is about a, uh, a woman who is very into true crime podcasts and the host of her favorite one goes missing. So she decides to go and try and figure out what happened. Wow. Um, I would recommend most people not do that because that's not a skill set that most people have. Mm. But, uh, you know, just just let Billy Jensen and Paul Holes handle it. Like, they're <laughs> professionals. Don't, you know. But um, it sounds fantastic. I'm very, very excited. Oh. Uh, but in terms of other books that I actually have right now and have not pre-ordered, um, I got Troublemaker by Leah Ramini, and this will fit in for our Bachelor Nation reading challenge for the uh, celebrity tell-all. The yeah. I think most dramatic is what we called it, the most dramatic ever. No, it's um, the um, the men or women tell-all. That's right. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> um, and this is about her life in Hollywood and also her experience with Scientology, a church she has since left. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say any more about that because I know they are super litigious. Uh, but this sounds very interesting and I am excited for all the all the things I will learn in here that may or may not be true. Please don't sue me. <laughs> okay. Um, also I got The Awakening of Malcolm X, which oh. is about Malcolm X, you know, before he becomes Malcolm X, and it's written by his daughter. Ilyasa Shabazz with Tiffany Jackson, who is oh. one of my favorite authors. And I would have gotten this anyway, but the fact that uh, Tiffany Jackson is part of it, I was like, yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, you know how I feel about cults. I got Those Who Pray by Jennifer Moffat. Nice. And it is about a college girl who gets sucked up into a cult. Whoa. Yes. Okay. So I'm I'm very, very excited to get to all of those. Awesome. Great. Okay. Well, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, insert squeal, we are (laughs) going to be talking to Bridget Kemmerer, author of the Curse Breaker series, one of our favorite series. You're not going to want to miss this. So stick around and we'll be right back. Oh my gosh, Kelly, have you heard about book of the month? I'm, I'm reading one right now. Book of the Month is a super popular and fast-growing online book service for readers. Their mission is to promote new and emerging authors and help readers discover books they love. It's right here. A different one from Book of the Month that I have. Well, how it works is their team vets hundreds of books each month and gives readers their choice from a curated selection of new and early release titles, so you can spend more time reading and less time researching. I've got like three accounts, three of them. And the good news is it's risk-free. So if you don't want any of the books that are a choice that month, you can skip any month, any time, and you'll not be charged. I have three accounts because I like all the books every month. I, I don't I don't need this, you guys. Plus, I know. Plus, plus, Kelly, they have the best price for new hardcover releases for fiction. You can get your first book for just $9.99 when you use our promo code what you should read. That's all one word, what you should read. I'll get a fourth account. 
So that's bookofthemonth.com. Promo code when you check out is what you should read, all one word. Check it out. Okay, we are back and we are so excited today to be joined by author Bridget Kemmerer. Hi, Bridget. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, of course. Thank you for joining us. We've been looking forward to this for weeks. So we obviously, all three of us love your books, um, but for our listeners who haven't read your books yet, tell us a little bit about yourself and what kind of books you write. Sure, absolutely. So I am a YA author, so all of my books are young adult titles. My very first series was Paranormal uh, YA Romance, and that started with the Elemental series, which is this book about these four brothers who control the elements of earth, air, fire, and water. Um, I do have a standalone paranormal YA called Thicker Than Water, um, which is about a boy with some unique special powers who kind of gets tangled up in a mystery in his small town. Uh, And then I do also have some contemporary YA novels like Letters to the Lost, um, and more than we can tell, call it what you want. And then I think, you know, it used to be so much quicker to introduce myself. And then, um, I'm also the author of the curse breaker series, which starts with a curse so dark and lonely, which is, yay, <laughs> which is a YA fantasy about a girl from Washington, DC, um, who sees a girl getting attacked on the streets And she decides she's going to intervene and she gets sucked through this portal into a fantasy kingdom where there is a cursed prince um, who needs to fall in love to break the curse. But unfortunately, our girl Harper wants nothing to do with this spoiled prince or his curse or any of the enchanted things in his castle. She just wants to get home. But the only way to get home is to fall in love. Um, So that's that. That's me. That's great. I don't know if you noticed, but... The three of us are in our chosen colors because in your Curse Breaker series, it's Emberfall versus Shill Shallow. And I am for the good of Emberfall, obviously, because I'm wearing <laughs> That's red. That's amazing. <laughs> your choices are bad. <laughs> um, I, I'm in the only green shirt I have for Sill Shallow, um, but it's also an Oscar the Grouch shirt. So I'm representing them and also myself. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> And I don't own anything red, but I also probably would have picked green anyway, but I'm in green for still shell. Well, I'm glad that I wore black so that I am a neutral party. <laughs> yes. I don't think you can be neutral. I have to be neutral. I love them all. Yeah. This is like how parents say they love all their kids the same. I don't think that's true. It's either. true. It's true. We love them all the same. <laughs> I mean, but also we love them differently. Like, <laughs> all right. Well, the podcast host, we will lay down our swords for this uh, interview. <laughs> yeah. it, it's good we're all in separate places. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we we always like to start. Uh, so, what are you reading? Oh wow! So right now I am reading. <laughs> It's, it's so hard sometimes being an author because a lot of times what I'm reading is either somebody's secret project um, or it's something I'm reading for a blurb. So like, oh, it'll be out nine months from now. Um, right now I'm reading a secret project for Jodi Pico, um, who a lot of people know as Jodi Picoult. But now that she's my friend, um, I have to say her name the right way or I feel like I'm betraying her somehow. Um, 
and I just started reading and I'm blanking on the title, um, the, the forthcoming book by Elizabeth Lim. It's amazing. Um, it's also fantasy and yeah, I'm a failure as an author. I'm sorry. I can't remember <laughs> the title of <laughs> one book I'm reading. And then the other one is secret. I'm sorry. Secret project, oh. you say? Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> we're all in awe so yeah oh, you know what I am in, in the middle of another one because I'm reading it for one of my tour stops um a song of race and ruin by Roseanne Brown mm. amazing amazing YA fantasy it was her debut um and it came out this past summer and hit the New York Times list definitely highly recommend great I've heard great things about that one yeah very yeah. very good book okay nice I feel like I bought it, but I haven't read it, which is literally the thing I say most often. We literally put it on shirts. Yeah. <laughs> it's your cat. Um, oops. Uh, and we were, we were kind of talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but we are in, I mean, you know, I don't even have to say what we're in because we've been here for a long time. Um, but how has this affected your your reading and or your writing? Like just this trapped inside, can't do anything. You know, it's funny. I, I remember at the beginning of 2020, I was like, okay, so through the pandemic, I'm going to, you know, mentally adjust. Um, on the reading front, I thought I would read a lot more than I have been. And I think that everybody kind of has this you know, COVID brain fog where it's really hard to focus sometimes, especially if you read on a digital device like a phone or an iPad, because you're just constantly getting notifications. Like every time the little news banner slides down, like what happened now? Um, you know, so so reading has been, has been so much slower, which seems silly because I feel like I should have more time to read. Um, but also everything, you know, like I said, I have three little boys. So you know, everything seems to take longer, like, you know, helping with any kind of virtual schooling, um, trying to keep them occupied when there's nowhere that you can take them, things like that. So that kind of really killed a lot of time. Um, when I, when the pandemic started back in March, I was already a little late turning in A Vow So Bold and Deadly. You know, and I had talked to my editor um, and I was like, no, you know, it'll be fine. I'm going to finish this book, you know, by the middle of April. I know we're a little late, but it'll be okay. You know, my kids are in school spring breaks, not, you know, not a big deal. And then everything shut down and everybody was locked inside. And it was just this time of, of so much stress and strife. And there was, there was so much just terror in the atmosphere, you know, and, you know, I'm very, very lucky and blessed that my family, you know, has not been touched by um, COVID personally. We haven't lost anybody, but there are so many people who have been um, and, you know, just feeling that loss, you know, across the globe is, is incredible um, and devastating. And it was really hard to write through that kind of atmosphere. I remember in the beginning, my husband and I had to sit down and really figure out a way for me to be able to write, for the kids to be able to do virtual schooling, for him to be able to work. And the plan we came down to was that I would get up at four in the morning and write from 4.30 till eight. And then kind of he would get up with the kids and feed them breakfast. And then I would start virtual school at 8.15 and be with the kids all day. And then we would eat dinner um, and cry ourselves to sleep, right? And 
we did that for months and my poor editor um, was on maternity leave. Mary Kate Castellani at Bloomsbury is my editor and she is amazing. Um, And she edited my book through her maternity leave and it just, it, everybody was just putting so much emotion into this book um, all the way around. So yeah, just like everybody else, the pandemic kind of threw our family for a loop. I have to say, I could feel that emotion when I read the acknowledgments of mm-hmm. Avow So Bold and Deadly. Oh. You mentioned that. And I, because I had finished the book and I cried and, you know, had all these feelings about the book itself. And then I read the acknowledgments that I was like, dang it, I'm crying again. Oh. <laughs> so it really, it did seem like a labor of love and a, and a huge team around you. And so that's lovely because you're right. It's just been such a horrible time for so many reasons, but it's, uh, we have this great book now that uh, is out in the world, which is a nice, a nice thing to have. So thanks. Yeah. yeah. I, I would like to say on a personal note, uh, my reading also took a real hit. I had been saying for years, I need a rear window type situation where I can't leave my apartment and I would get all the reading done. And it turns out that what I actually got done was about 12 hours a day scrolling through my phone, waiting to see what was happening now. Yeah. Um, But when we booked this interview and we were lucky enough to get e-galleys early, I read this book in like a day, which I hadn't done in such a long time. And you made me feel like me and you made me question all my allegiances. You're still (laughs) wrong, Julia. Don't, don't look smug. (laughs) Oh, but I this this series is just absolutely amazing. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. That means a lot. That means a lot. Yeah, I, I really did try to take all the emotion from what we were all going through um, and just tried to pour it into the story. So yeah. I'm glad that it it kind of worked. For sure. I mean, and and speaking of that, now that the final um, book is is coming out like how do you feel about the about the about the series now and I mean is it over because you know we we love it so much I don't know if we can accept that but (laughs) you know how does it feel to have the final book coming out so you know I I love how it all came together you know I know so the first book is really really kind of about Harper and her self-discovery and what you know, her journey and finding herself. And then the second book is really, you know, about Liamara finding herself. And then the third book really is about Ren and Gray and their relationship, you know, with each other and figuring out who they are and who they want to be and who they're supposed to be. And I love how the series came together. I just, I feel really good about it. And I was really afraid to write Val because I knew, you know, how many people were so, I mean, just like you guys wearing the different shirt, the different colored shirts, how people were so devoted to Ren or people were so devoted to Gray. And I was like, how am I going to make everyone happy? And I just, you know, I love, I love how it all works out. And I love that people are so attached to my characters. And as of right now, I cannot say anything more about continuing the series, but I can say stay tuned. Oh, okay. Great. Okay. I mean, that's great because I mean, we've had ideas, you know, we, we last week we were throwing around ideas for fan fiction and or pitching. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I was saying, I want a book set a few years in the future with some cute little toddlers running around and they're still trying to deal with these anti-magic factions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Yes. And I want a prequel that is the stories of the lost girls of DC mm-hmm. who came before Harper. So just oh, yeah. ideas, so cool. just ideas we're throwing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I had, I had had that idea of like, um, what if there was a diary that yes. the castle that all the girls from DC wrote in and it never reset whenever the season restarted so that all the girls could read back what the previous girls had written in the diary or something. Oh, that's a cool idea. I like that. <laughs> Can you imagine how scary that would be though? Like you it's find awful. the diary and it's like all these girls are dead and you're just like, oh, this is bad. <laughs> Um, there was um did you ever read uprooted by um naomi novik there's a diary similarly of all the because every seven years the monster takes another girl into his castle and no one knows why but it just happens every seven years and there is a a uh, there are some letters that are left uh from each girl i don't know it's wow it's good yeah uh, I would like a short story collection about all of them in DC for like a week or two <laughs> and just reacting to like technology and pop culture <laughs> and everything. Cause I get that request so much. People are like, could you just, could you just, just, just put Ren in a Starbucks or like, could you just like maybe send gray to like the mall? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Let them go to the movies. I bet they'd really like it, or not. I would always get. I would always get really excited in the very brief scenes where they would go to the other side and they'd wind up in DC. And I'm like, oh, what? Are, how are they going to handle this? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yep. And so you know, talking about how your books have inspired us, you know. Um, what what books or authors inspire you in your writing? Oh, so many. You know, I when I was younger, when I was a kid, um, and I you know first knew that I wanted to be a writer. So my really early influences were authors like Christopher Pike um, and Lois Duncan. You know, I still remember. So when I was a kid, I was a very avid reader. I was. Um, you know, my family moved a lot when I was growing up. Uh, so I was always the new kid. So I always had books to read. I also grew up in this really conservative Catholic household. So I was never allowed to watch anything cool. So it was just books all the way. And I had been really into books like The Babysitter's Club and The Saddle Club and all those like old classic middle grade novels. And then I remember, I, I don't know why I have this vivid memory of being in sixth grade and this little girl in front of me had a Christopher Pike novel and she was reading it and it just, it just, I'm so grown up. It's so cool. And um, so, you know, when my mom took me to the library, I found that book and I read it and it was so good. And it was Remember Me by Christopher Pike. And it's about this girl who dies and everybody thinks that she has committed suicide. Um, and she's telling the story from the point of view of being a ghost. Um, and she kind of has to figure out a way to prove that she was murdered. And it was, it was just so cool and so clever. And I went on to read like everything Christopher Pike wrote and it was amazing. Um, And I just, I knew right then that I really wanted to do that. But then also being an author is one of these funny careers where it doesn't feel like normal people can do it. Um, It's like, how do you just be an author? And something that was really influential on me when I was a kid 
is also when I was in middle school, I, you know, again, my mom would take me to the library all the time. And we had this one librarian that I knew really well. And she knew like the entire YA section. And she happened to mention to my mom that she was, she had her debut novel coming out. And my mom was like, of course, we're going to buy it. We'll support you, whatever. So my mom bought this book and it was The Silver Kiss by Annette Curtis Claus. And, and Annette Curtis Claus and I are now friends on Facebook and I know all about her cats and she shares recipes and it's just so surreal to me because when I was 13, I was like, oh, she wrote a book and it's such a good book. It was, I loved it. It was this, you know, YA vampire novel. Um, it was so good. And, and I think that was really profound for me as a kid because I realized like, wow, just anybody can be an author. Like you don't have to, I love it when they portray authors like on TV because they're always living in LA, like a $10 million mansion. <laughs> and like, no, um, like I'm in my basement. This is my writing room slash gym slash storage space slash where the kids play. Like, and um, yeah. And even, you know, more modern authors that I read that I really, that I really love. Um, I love Saba Tahir. I love Jennifer Armentrout. I love Jodi Pico. Obviously I've been reading J Jodi for, you know, I don't know, almost 20 years. And she hates when I say that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I just, I, I just, I love reading other authors, just a wide variety of genres. Great. Well, speaking of Jodi, um, I'm curious how you got to know each other and because we follow your friendship on Twitter. <laughs> so it's lovely. It's just lovely to see uh, two writers who we admire so much supporting each other in that way. And I'm just curious how that friendship developed. And also, can you confirm that the book that Dawn is reading in the book of two ways is indeed book number two in the curse Breakers series? It that's totally my theory. is. And it's yes! funny because I beta read that manuscript for her. I was an early reader for her. And when I read that, like, I thought she just put that in there, like, just to yank my chain, like, like, ah, Bridget. and then she left it in there, which was amazing. So it. somehow, like all my books are fantasy. I'm like, oh, how am I, how how am I going to work one of her books into mine? Like, um, but yeah, no. So it was the December before curse came out. So I guess it was December of 2018 and I was sitting on my couch and I got this DM from Jody Pico on Twitter um, where it was like, Hey Bridget. And it was just so unassuming. Hey Bridget, I'd love to read a curse so dark and lonely. Any chance you could um, send me an arc or a digital copy. <laughs> I realize people listening to this podcast will not get the full effect, but it's like, what? Right? Like just what? Um, and I took a screenshot and I sent it to my editor. Like I texted my editor immediately and I was like, what do I say? Um, and, and then my husband came in and he was like, what do you, you know, what is going on? And I said, no, you don't like, I, I, I don't know what to do. And he's like, this is somebody, somebody's messing with you. Right. And I'm like, no, it's got the check mark. Like it's real. There's a check. Um, check mark. <laughs> right there and you know my editor I'm just saying to my editor I'm like what do I say what do I tell her she's like tell her yes right yeah. like, <laughs> um so I so you know I, I said yes and she read it and she messaged me like three weeks later and she said you know I really loved it and my editor was like you need to ask her if she'd be willing to provide a blurb um and I am a very I'm not a confrontational person. I'm not the kind of person who's like, would you do this for me? Um, but I also firmly believe sometimes you just got to shoot your shot, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I messaged her and I said, you know, I, I was wondering if there's any chance you'd be willing to provide a blurb. If not, no worries. Um, and she did. And she was super nice about it. And that blurb, you know, was 
printed with um, Curse. And then it was, so at the time I was finishing up my first round of revisions on A Heart So Fierce and Broken, which is the second book in the series. And I had like posted something silly on Twitter. Um, like, you know, I wish I had a friend that I could say, hey, can you read 200 pages in 24 hours for me? And she responded with the gif, the little, like with the blonde woman where it's like this girl. And, um, and then she Aww. sent me a DM and she was like, really, if you're writing the sequel, send it to me right now and I'll read it. And I'm like, I can't, I can't send Jody Pico my manuscript and process. Like that is not a thing that happens in the real world. Um, and she was like, no, really send it to me. I'm not doing anything. I can read the whole thing by tomorrow. Um, and she did, and she gave me fantastic feedback. And then that really just kind of launched us messaging back and forth um, on email. And then ultimately that turned to texting. And I kept saying, I need to return the favor, like send me something of yours. And she sent me like her opening chapters to the book of two ways. And I remember saying to my husband, like, how do I write critique comments on this manuscript? And he said, look, hon, she's an author. She would not have sent it to you if she didn't want comments. Um, and I was like, all right, I hope I'm not tanking my career by insulting Jody Vigo, but you know, I did. And, you know, over time we just, we kind of became friends and, um, and we text all the time. She actually just texted me while we're doing this conversation. Um, yeah. And it's wild and bizarre and surreal. And she really is just one of the kindest, most down to earth people. And it's, it's really amazing. So nice to have someone who's, uh, you know, whose feedback you trust and, and it goes both ways. That's really nice. And, um, especially when you have a, a work in progress that you need some, you know, uh, non, uh, impartial jury, yes. right. To look at. <laughs> so speaking of works in progress, can you tell us about your upcoming book, uh, after A Vow So Bold and Deadly. I think it's called Defy the Night. Is that yes. your next project? Yeah. So Defy the Night comes out in September. So it's a two book year, which is surreal. Like wow. Vow is going to come out. It's going to be like, all right, change gears. Um, <laughs> Defy the Night is also second world fantasy. There's no portal. So it's entirely, entirely fantasy. But it's about, I just, I love it so much. It's so much fun. It's about this girl named Tessa um, who is best friends with a guy named Wes. And Tessa and Wes are kind of outlaws in their society. Um, everybody in their society is getting sick with this fever that can only be cured by making an elixir from these moonflower petals. Moonflower petals are highly regulated. They're very expensive. It's very hard for everybody to get them. So Wes and Tessa kind of go out in the night and they basically steal from the rich to make these elixirs and give them to people who can't afford to buy them. And... This kingdom that they live in is really kind of falling apart and everybody is afraid of the king and his brother. His brother is, you know, kind of the king's executioner um, and just everything is going wrong. And one day Wes is captured and Tessa kind of makes it her mission to go after him and figure out, you know, what is going on and can she rescue him? And she realizes that everything she thought she knew about the kingdom is wrong and the only way to solve things is to kind of cause a revolution. So I'm just, Ooh. I'm very, very, very excited about the book. It's so much fun. Um, there should be advanced review copies available probably within the next six weeks. Um, yeah, I just, I can't wait. 
That's exciting. And will that be a series as well? Right now, it's just one book, but still. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Fun. This is the best great. day of my life. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't wait to read that. So kind of off topic, but I think I might have seen on your social media a picture or some such about the Maryland Renaissance Fair. Is that something that I know you live in Maryland? So I, do. I live just uh, just outside of Baltimore. Wonderful. So are you a big Ren Fair person? I am. So and oh, I-, I love it. I love it. Yeah. And the Maryland Ren Fest is just, it's amazing. Um, I know my husband is close friends with a guy who has worked at the Ren Fest for, I think, well over 10 years. Um, so we try to go every year. You know, I have a couple dresses from there. It's just, it's yeah. so much fun and it's so cool. Yeah. So much fun. I missed it so much this year. So I'm fingers crossed, hoping it comes back I this hope year. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, this has been great. We have one final question that we always ask all of our guests, and that's, um, is there a book that you would recommend that we should read? So the one book that I always, always recommend, it is not even fiction, and it has kind of a story behind it, the meaning that it has for me. And the book is The Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker. And I will give you a short, weird story about how this book came into my hands. It's nonfiction. And it's a book about listening to your instincts and trusting your gut. And I feel like every woman should read this book. Um, And the way that I found out about it, so back when I was, I don't know, like 21 or 22, I was dating this guy. And uh, we'd gone out on, you know, a few dates, you know, to the point where, you know, we were starting to get more serious. And we went out to dinner and he said, I really need to tell you something about me um, before we get any more serious. And I'm like, okay. And he said, you know, sometimes people take this really poorly and, but I just, I need to be honest. Okay. Again, I'm 21, 22, pretty chill, laid back person. I say, hit me with it. And he said, so I spent five years in prison. And at the time, I think he was 24, 25. And I'm thinking, okay, so, and very clean cut, like normal preppy kind of guy, like, you know, um, and I'm thinking, okay, so like, did you make some kind of big mistake when you were 19 or 20? Like, you know, and the things I'm imagining are like, okay, like, did you get caught with marijuana or, you know, something like this? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, no, I, I was in college and I was dating this girl and we were really serious and she broke up with me. And after she broke up with me, I tried to hire someone to kill her. And it turned out he was an FBI agent and I was caught. Right. What? And I was like, Oh, this is a lot to process like on so many levels. And, you know, so, so then of course I, you know, I said, I said, I really need to, you know, think about this and this is a lot. And, you know, I went home and I called my mom and I'm like, mom, what do I do? Um, you know, and she was like, you, you break up with him. And I'm like, but he, so anyway, so I broke up with him over the phone and he, as one would expect, did not take it well. Um, you know, and he really kind of turned into a very scary stalker and he was going to my job. I worked at, I worked two jobs at the time. I had a day job and I also worked at Walden Books in the mall. Remember Walden Books? Yes. And he would sit outside the Walden Books. My manager would call me and she would be like, he is sitting on the bench in front of the store. Don't come in. Um, mall security can't make him leave because 
you can sit on a bench in the mall. Um, And I remember I was, you know, trying to get a restraining order and and it was just, it was a really, really, I'm speaking about it really kind of glibly because it was 20 years ago, but it was a really scary time. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was one day in the bookstore and I was talking to my manager about how upsetting all of this was and, and this woman, and I wish I could, like, I wish I could go back in time and find her and say, thank you. Cause this book had such an effect on my life. She picks this book up off a shelf and she came over and she handed it to me. And she said, I didn't mean to listen to your conversation, but you need to read this book. It will change your life. Wow. And it truly, truly did change my life. It is really all about women, like learning to protect themselves and how women especially are conditioned to be nice um, and to, you know, kind of ignore our instincts. And it's, it's such a good read too. Like every chapter starts kind of with a case study and talks about what could have been done differently. So that is my most frequently recommended book, um, especially for schools. I always talk about it at school visits, um, and teachers always email me later and they're like, I can't keep this book on the shelf now. Um, but yeah, it's the gift of fear by Gavin DeBecker and it's amazing. And for wow. anyone who has kids, he has a follow-on book called Protecting the Gift. And it's all about listening to your instincts as a parent. Um, also very good reading. Mm-hmm. What a great recommendation. Thank you. I will definitely pick that up. Thanks. Yeah, same. Yeah. God. And I was like, well, maybe he's learned to work on his anger. Oh, he hasn't. He did not. No, <laughs> he had not. Ugh. That is scary. Oh, my gosh. Well, um, Kelly, Rachel, do either of you have any other final questions? I just, uh, I just want to say thank you again for coming on the podcast. I'm such a big fan and this was so much fun. (laughs) Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. I'm really touched that you invited me. Thank you. Well, we hope you'll come back when Defy the Night comes out because I'm sure we'll. Oh, I will too. Yay. (laughs) Well, thanks again, Bridget, for joining us. Um, And yeah. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thanks. (laughs) So that's our show. Don't forget, you can get your first box from Book of the Month for $9.99 with the promo code WHATYOUSHOULDREAD, all one word. Yes, and don't forget to follow us on social media, especially if you want to see the pretty covers of my new um, collection of the Graceling Realm series. So that's WYSR underscore podcast on Instagram and on Twitter. You can email us at what you should read podcast at gmail.com and you can follow us on Goodreads at what you should read podcast. And now you know what you should read. You're welcome. Mm-hmm.